I'm not telling you you need to do anything, but you should be looking at investing in Bitcoin. But I'm not a financial advisor, but to me, it's just uh, take a look at it. Try to figure it out and try to understand it. Welcome back to Start of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Today, my friend Gary Leland's joining me. Gary, of course, is a co-founder of Podcast Movement. Now he runs the BitBlock Boom Conference. I host a number of uh, podcasts about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and all these other things. So welcome. Hey, glad to be here, Jared. But I got to correct you. Yeah, please do. I really don't do cryptocurrency. I just do Bitcoin. Just Bitcoin. I know you think there's the same, but there's not. There's a line. There's Bitcoin and there's cryptocurrency. Well, in the beginning, you were a little bit of cryptocurrency, but it I sounds was. like now you've said, okay, enough yeah. of that. I'm not messing with I that. Kinda, I finally figured it out or got so I understood it. And I understand that to me, Bitcoin is the only thing that's worth putting your time and money in. So so first of all, let, let's talk about, I, I've had you on the show before, but there might be some people listening that haven't heard that episode. So Let's talk about how we met. So we met several years ago. Yeah, it's been, it seems like a long time ago in, in now. In Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Las Vegas. I think it was yep. Blog World or something, but he mm-hmm. had changed the name of it or something. But I think so it was not around blog- anymore. Yeah. No. yeah. So that we, was a weird story. Yeah, we, we met and, uh, through at, a, uh, at a, a new media event, and then uh, that launched a whole series of events that caused you and I to team up uh, with a couple other people to start podcast movement. And then now you fast forward several years and... And now you're into Bitcoin. Yeah, I got into Bitcoin well, while I was still with Podcast Movement. Yeah. And then I sold my share of Podcast Movement and moved on and actually put a lot of that into Bitcoin. <laughs> Which and now uh, Bitcoin. Super smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now Bitcoin is my full time job. I do, as you said, Bitcoin podcasts. I, I do it. a conference. I'm doing a party, BitBlock Party is the name of it. In Austin in June. Not even when my conference is there. I've rented a two-story <laughs> nightclub, and I'm just doing a party for Bitcoin. It's just a party. And I think I'm like, I think 300 people can come, and I'm already halfway sold can out. I, can I, I sneak in? Is it? I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't have enough Bitcoin. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, yeah you got to have a lot of Bitcoin to come to this party. And then, uh, Fair enough. It's kind of it's weird, you know, because I'm 66, so I'm a boomer, Yeah. and they call me the Bitcoin boomer. But it's kind of odd how much people like meeting a boomer that is into Bitcoin. People come up to me all the time go, I just want to shake your hand. Because I think they wish, <laughs> I think they, I think they kind of like throw off the look of their parents on me and they're going, I wish my parents understood this stuff. You know, so I think they're excited to beat someone their parents' age that knows as much, if not more than they do. So it's funny. It's a funny world. Well, you've been business savvy for many years and you've run a number of successful companies and things. But then a lot of those, uh, even when you were still running those full time, you, you all of a sudden had this fascination with Bitcoin, which wasn't as well understood or known as it is now, and it's still a lot of people don't know about it. So, when what was what happened? How did you first start get turning? How did you get turned on to this? And then at well, what point did you realize, hey, there really is something to this? Well, it was really uh, pretty normal for people. Yeah. It took me three times being exposed to it. That's mm-hmm. many people have to be exposed three times and they get it on the third, and I was no different. But the first time I was taught it was online stocks, which I said I didn't want to mess with that. Yeah. Which it's not. And then the second time, Adam Curry told me about it. And I was like, ah. And then the third time, another friend of mine told me about it. And I got it right away. The way he explained it was perfect. He explained it as an internet protocol rather than stocks or money or digital gold, internet protocol. He said it was the missing protocol. It was money for the internet. And, you know, I started my first e-commerce site in 96. Yeah. So I've been doing stuff on the internet a long time. So when he said a protocol for internet, the internet, that really interested me. So I was speaking at a conference, a big D conference in Dallas. It was like noon. I just finished talking. 
And I think when he's, I heard him overheard him talking to someone, and we sat on said, "Hey, can I talk to you about that?" We sat on a couch from like noon till five o'clock, wow. talking about Bitcoin. And the My conference goodness. was over, and we were still sitting on that couch. So I drove home, listened to some podcasts, called him up, said, "Hey, can I come over to the conference and talk to you some more tomorrow?" And we sat there all day talking. That night, I went home and bought my first bitcoins. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, and then not long after that, you're like, hey, I love podcasting. Why not create a podcast that's on this topic? So tell us about that. Well, I, I think, well, actually, the person who told me about Bitcoin, yeah. Tony Casillas, him yeah. and I did a podcast together called The Crypto Cousins. Because back then I was into, as you said, all cryptos, not just Bitcoin. And actually, we were making a lot of money. I mean, these cryptos would come new cryptos and they'd, they'd want to advertise on our show. And we'd charge them like three, $4,000 to bring them on our show and interview oh, them. Nice. And they'd do it if they could pay in crypto. Can I pay for that stuff in crypto? So we'd look on an exchange. And if we could exchange that crypto of theirs for something else, like then you Bitcoin, <laughs> then they could come on the show. And you can't blame them. They just made this money up. Right, right, right. I mean, if you just make up $500 worth, a million worth of money, what the hell? You don't mind spending no, that's the best way kind. more than you yeah. need to to be on a show. Absolutely. So we were really taking advantage of that for a while. And then uh, the bear market of 2018 hit. And most of those people went out of business, you yeah. know, and their coins turned out to be worth zero if you'd kept any of them. But in the meantime, now that we're back in a bull market, in the meantime, I came uh, Bitcoin maximalist. That's all I really mess with now. So, uh, so in Bitcoin, people don't spend their Bitcoin like they do crypto shit that they made up. Well, okay. So let's talk about that because that was some advice that you had given me was, you know, it's, it's nice to have it and hold on to it and just leverage it, that type of thing. But then you're talking about there's other countries and stuff that are going to potentially use Bitcoin as their their currency, so they're, they're going to be spending it, right? Well, El Salvador uses it as their currency right now. They right. Uh, announced back in February they were going to make it a currency. And everybody who accepted money, every store, every restaurant, everything had to accept Bitcoin. If someone walked in wanting to spend Bitcoin, because that's the key, yeah. is if, you gotta, if you're going to make it a currency, you got to be able to spend it. And I think most people kept their Bitcoin, and now it's worth three times as much. Yeah. And 30, they, every citizen got $30 worth of Bitcoin in El Salvador. That's a lot of money if you live in El Salvador. Now they all got $90 worth of Bitcoin. So that country really ponied up and put in a lot into Bitcoin. Yeah, they bought a lot of Bitcoin. To give every citizen that much Yeah, now money. they're using uh, thermal power from uh, their volcanoes to create energy for Bitcoin mining. Wow. And I think they're getting ready to sell <laughs> bonds, El Salvador bonds, to back the uh, production of electricity for Bitcoin mining. My goodness. There. And then I heard uh, Brazil is the next one, I think, that's supposed to roll over the Bitcoin. But there gets to be a time when people are tired of having a currency that just keeps dropping in value. You know, it's like in Venezuela, their currency, the, the boulevard. Yeah. You know, the lady was walking down the street with a wheelbarrow of boulevards, a wheelbarrow of money to go buy some coffee. And a reporter came in and said, aren't you worried someone's going to steal your money? Because she had a wheelbarrow of the money. It's worthless. She says, no, I'm worried they're going to steal my, my wheelbarrow. How will I move my money around? Uh, that's, I think, yeah, that's heartbreaking. When that happens yeah. to your country, you want a money that has a little more stability or a chance of being worth more, not being worth less all the time. Yeah. You know, Venezuela's removed zeros off the money. You know, if it was $200,000, it's now $2,000. They just removed zeros because well, the money was getting so expensive. I mean, they were having $200,000 bills. That's, yeah. Well, I, that's a shame, but... Uh, I can see how situations like that are creating more opportunity for Bitcoin to yeah to be, be more and widely as, accepted, trusted. And as Bitcoin gets more expensive, you know, when it starts hitting a million dollars, which I believe it will in ten years or so, see, the rate of inflation of it, the rate of growth of it will slow down. 
Yeah. But we're still not at that point yet where everybody's still buying it, grabbing it, wanting it to go up, holding on to it. But there'll be a point where everybody's on the Bitcoin standard. So I know you're not like a financial advisor or no, planner. No, but, so, 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 but if, if you're talking to somebody who's new and saying, hey, Gary, I, I think I want to try this. I want to put a little into it. What do, what do you tell somebody? I tell you, the best way to do that is the same thing I told you. Go to, I'm going to give up my affiliate link. Yeah, here go ahead. I don't care. You get $10 worth free, I think, if you use it, and so do I. But go to GaryLeland.com slash swan, S-W-A-N. Yep. Go there. I'm a, uh, an advisor of that company and own stock in the company. So, of course, I'm going to like it or I wouldn't be messing with it. But go there and set yourself well, up. I, I'm a member of Swan. I've had a good experience with yeah. them. So. They're a great company. They're yeah. all great people. But set yourself up to do a dollar cost averaging, which is the same principle as using stocks. Buy a little bit every week, every month, however you can afford it. If you drink a six pack, two six packs a week, maybe drink one and buy, spend that other money on some Bitcoin every week. It's a good idea. And then, yeah. and before you know it, you've got some Bitcoin, you've got some value there. A lot of people get confused. They see Bitcoin like it is today at 62,000 and they think, I don't have $62,000 to buy a Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But they don't realize you can buy $5 worth of Bitcoin, $10 worth of Bitcoin, $1 that, worth that, of that Bitcoin. Still raising value. Yeah. 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 It's still going to go up just the same percentage, you know, before you know, and then, you know, if you get some skin in the game, then you start paying attention to it and learning about it. No, that totally makes sense. But that's my advice is go to, and you can do that at a lot of places. You can do that with the Cash App. You can do it through Swan. You can do it through a lot of places. But start buying on a regular basis, just whatever you can afford. You know, there's got to be somewhere you can cut $5 a week or $10 a month out of your budget and use that to invest it in Bitcoin. Okay, so you started the podcast, and then you realized, okay, I need to not be all about other cryptos, but just on Bitcoin. So what was the realization there? Well, I just, like I said, in 2018, when the market dropped and all the other currencies, most of the cryptocurrencies went out of business. They just went out of business. And even the top ones, like Ethereum, you know, Bitcoin had tripled before Ethereum got back to where it was before the bear market. Right. So at that point, I realized, you know, I'm not a trader. I'm not buying and selling and doing all this trading. You're better off just, or I was better off, I thought, just buying Bitcoin and letting it ride and sitting there. You know, I'm not a professional stock trader and I'm not a professional Bitcoin trader. So every time I traded stocks, I lost money for the most part. So I felt it was safer just to buy and hold. I think that's the best strategy for me. Yeah. Well, I can testify to that. That's advice you gave me. And I I did that. And that was very beneficial to my family, which is another podcast. Can talk talk about that later. But uh, yeah, but you know, the fact that every year, uh, I mean, there's half as much new Bitcoin put on the market. So the price goes up because there's less available and more people that want it. So it's simply supply and demand. There's half as much as something and twice as many people want it, it's going to go up. So the, I guess the podcast kind of helped you have that reality check or, or that moment, that aha moment where you realize, hey, I should probably do an event for Bitcoin. <laughs> I started doing one within six months. Yeah. So I within six months I doing. of doing the podcast. I didn't even know what I was doing yet. You had a Bitcoin conference, which was, this was before. I'm sure there's a lot of them now, but yeah. there wasn't that many well, right there's, when you started. There's a lot of crypto conferences and mine was a crypto conference at that time. Yeah. There, there's only like... A handful of Bitcoin only conferences. It's kind of a niche. Yeah. But yeah, we decided to do a conference. And then we had, I didn't even know enough about this to be about the subject to do a conference. But what the hell? We did a conference. We got some good speakers coming down to Dallas. And we couldn't even sell tickets. We could hardly sell tickets. We were giving tickets away just because I had all these people coming and right. I couldn't have 25 people in the audience. 
And uh, when the event was over, maybe we broke even, made a little bit of money, but we didn't make it rich. But then my partner decided, uh, since we didn't make a lot of money, he didn't want anything to do with it. I could have it. And I kept pursuing it. Now, this will be our fifth year. We're in Austin, Texas. We'll have about 700 people. People like Tone Vase and... Um, or who if you probably don't know Tone, but he's one of the top uh, Bitcoin traders. He's an old uh, J.P. Morgan guy, I think. They got into Bitcoin. He did yeah. that financial analysis for them, and he switched to Bitcoin. But he calls it one of the top four Bitcoin conferences in the world. Love it. It's so awesome. actually, now it's really taken off. It took me a long time to get that out. Sorry, but, no, but no, now no, we now we've grown from a conference we couldn't give tickets away to to a conference that's in August every year. And last year we sold out of tickets in February. Oh, with that's six amazing. months to go. And people were scalping our damn tickets. So this year we had to put a uh, transfer fee in there because they were selling the tickets because they bought them and they were worth uh, maybe two to three times what they were. They were selling them two to three times what they paid for them. Well, that, what, that's a great problem to have. That is a great problem to have. <laughs> but it caused a nightmare on us. You know, so now we have a transfer fee in there to hopefully slow down on that. But if not, we'll at least we'll get some money so that, off of it. That's BitBlockBoom. Yeah. Bitblockboom.com. People can check that out. Right. And it's next August if people want to always try to get a ticket, although it's likely going to be sold out most likely. It'll be last weekend in August always. Yeah, that's great. So <laughs> tell me tell me about this. Like, Yeah, so you start selling it out and you're like, what do you do then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, well, I started uh, actually looking for more sponsors. <laughs> I, had, I had nothing to sell for six months. Yeah, you know, and like, usually, you know how that goes. You... Uh, you sell most of your, you're in a conference, you've been in conference business a long Oh, time. yeah, yeah. You sell so many of your tickets the last couple of months. That's really when your push comes. Yeah. We had no tickets to sell, you know? <laughs> okay, and so some of the connections you'd made with the podcast ended up helping the event, I would imagine, because those were people that were speaking and... No, actually, very few of them were, because when we were oh, doing okay. the podcast at the time, um, it was a crypto uh, podcast, not a Bitcoin con- podcast, and my shows, uh, my conference was Bitcoin only. So it helped it out a little, but not as much as you would think. The connections I made, I made more in real life at the conference on people who just came because it was close and turned out to be Bitcoiners. Yeah. You know, so. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So, but we have now our lineup is like we have, uh, I think we're going to have Senator Lemus there this year. She's called the Bitcoin Senator. All we're waiting is for is they get their schedule for the, uh, for the Senate like in November or December. So we're waiting for her schedule to make sure she's open that weekend. But her staff says she should definitely be there. Yeah. You know, I've gone down to uh, state capitol to a session down there teaching the tech committee on what Bitcoin is. Mm-hmm. You know, matter of fact, next weekend I go down there and uh, one of the, the uh, congressmen is giving me a tour. Me and my wife, a private tour of the capitol. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I made a lot of good connections in Bitcoin. And I, I orange-pilled him and turned him on to Bitcoin. And he's buying through Swan. You know? <laughs> and he messaged me the other day say he had gotten to an old Bitcoin now. So he was really excited. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah. It's just a matter, like I said, it's just a matter of people understanding it. Once they understand it, I think the real problem people have is they don't understand money. Yeah. They have some money. They spend some money. They make money. But they really don't know what money is. And once they learn what money is and all about money, then they all suddenly go, oh, my God. Well, let's just go there for a minute. What what is money? Well, money really is just a way, a ledger-keeping system, you know, to say who owns what. And that I've transferred my $5 to you, and you gave me a piece of bread, and now you own the $5. That's all money is. But our money is fiat money. And all the money in the world right now is fiat money. And fiat money, fiat's a Latin word that means because I say so. Basically, that's the short of it. So our money is money because the U.S. government says it's money. It has no intrinsic value. 
It's just money because they say it's money. And because it has no value, they can make as much of this as they want. And that's why you see the printing presses and they're talking about $4 trillion adding to the budget because they just make four more trillion dollars and put on That's not backed up by gold or anything. No, no, they took it off. They took the silver out of the quarters when I was like in third or fourth grade, like in 63. Yeah. And then they took the gold, the dollar off the gold standard in like 1971. So since 1971, the dollar's been backed by nothing. That made it fiat money. And the average lifespan for any fiat currency in the world is 50 years. That's pretty much it. Interesting. So and, the and our, U.S. dollar has lasted beyond that, right? Yes, yeah, like 51 now. Yeah. So it's just gone over it. But we're in a different situation because we're the petrodollar. You know, when we went off to gold, most people don't know, when we went off the gold standard and the dollar was worth nothing, we cut a deal with Saudi Arabia that all oil sold would be sold in U.S. dollars. So does kind of have a value if you because if you want to buy oil, if you're a country and you want to buy yeah, oil, you, you have to buy, buy it US in dollars, dollars yeah. to buy the oil with. And most of the other OPEC countries went along with that petrodollar. But now um, China is talking about coming up with their own petrodollar. And any country that's tried to use any other currency except the dollar for petro pretty much didn't go too good. Like Libya, they started accepting euros for uh, gold. And you saw what happened to Gaddafi. <laughs> and then Panama or Venezuela, they started taking uh, another currency. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. And you saw what happened to the leader. They always... They don't do very well if they get off the uh, petrodollar, but it's going to happen soon. Do you think banks are annoyed by Bitcoin? Or well, now, you know, in Texas, uh, banks can hold Bitcoin, so they could actually make uh, a wallet, basically, or storage systems for. It's a digital wallet for everybody. Yeah. It's not a coin, but they can make digital wallets, and you could walk in. You can't now, but they, it's legal to do in Texas. When it goes into effect, you could walk into a bank and say, hey, transfer $10,000 out of my savings account and buy Bitcoin with it and put it in my Bitcoin account. And banks would do that for you. And I but think that's people, currently not available. Well, it's not available, but it's legal. It just got legal like uh, earlier this year or last year. It's just a matter of time, but it is legal to do. So I think banks, banks, those guys are smart dudes. They got a lot of money. When you got a lot of money, you know how to make more money. You yeah. don't lose much money if you're a bank. Believe me, those guys don't lose money. Who got all the money during the financial crisis? Yeah. The banks. You know, they all lived because they were too big to fail because they got all the money. Yeah. So they made themselves too big to fail. So I think that they understand there's a lot of money to be made in Bitcoin. So I don't think they're annoyed. But I think they were. But now I think they understand it's not going anywhere. And there's a lot of money to be made. And they want to make it. So, so they're getting in the game. They're getting in the game. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised in five years, every bank, you just go buy some Bitcoin and say, put it in my Bitcoin account. Interesting. Yeah, they want the they want the Bitcoin. They don't want you owning any Bitcoin that you personally own without them. They want to be in the game. So it almost seems like even more reason to try to get your Bitcoin now before <laughs> yeah. the banks have more control. More control, yeah. Well, because once they control it, then it's going to probably go up even more because they control it. It's kind of like gold, you know, and like the, I can't remember what it was, but they was like in the maybe 20s or 30s, the, 30s, the president said, you can't own gold anymore. It's illegal to own gold in the United States. Because the United States government didn't have enough. They needed more gold. So they made it illegal to have gold. And you could keep four ounces. If you had more than four ounces, you had to turn it in to the government. Wow. And that was the law. And it was a federal crime if you kept more than four ounces. And everybody was really patriotic back in the 40s and 30s whenever this happened. So they just went in to the Fed and said, here's my 10. Here's my gold. And they gave them like $25 an ounce. Then they also went to like all the banks and gold vault places and they just 
Like that went into effect Saturday, Monday. They were at the vaults when they opened at nine o'clock and seizing all the gold in there. Wow. And then paying those people $25 an ounce. Then when they got all the gold, they revalued gold at $35 an ounce. Conveniently. And so everybody lost everybody's dollars, which were backed by gold, lost. They lost their gold and their dollars went down in value 30% overnight. So a lot of people are scared that would happen with Bitcoin, that it would become a currency and the United States government would go, wow, this happened. We don't have enough of it. We need more. Except I don't think in the year 2021, 2022, 2023, people were as patriotic as they were back there. Probably They've been not. screwed so much by the government. That I don't know if they would go, oh, let me give you all my Bitcoin, you know, and just even though I know it's going to be worth triple next year, let me just give it to you now. No, they wouldn't. Yeah. They, and, they, and they don't have to, right? Because. Well, they made it a law and a federal crime to keep it. It would be. That's what they did to gold. You can't know gold again. But, until, your, but your Bitcoin isn't. It's in a wallet. It's not. Right, in, they can't get it. Yeah. Yeah. They can't get it. And they probably can't prove how much you have. Well, they technically they probably can prove how much you have. But I don't think that'll happen. But there are people who are scared that'll happen. So that's why they don't leave their crypto, their Bitcoin on a uh, exchange. Because if that did happen, so in instead like of the private wallet. Yeah. Instead yeah. of the government going to the banks to get the gold, they would go to the exchanges to get the Bitcoin. Right. But they never went. I don't think they ever went to anyone's house and say, hey, we think you got six gold coins in there. We're taking that. I don't think that ever happened. You know, because everybody turned in their money. That's crazy. So that's a whole other subject, though. Yeah, but it's interesting. Well, I'm uh, personally proud of you. I mean, you know, you got on this wagon early (laughs) and it served you well. It has served Uh, you well. And then you're leveraging other things that you love, like podcasting and new media to to further grow the things you've been doing, like the conference. Yeah, like on my podcast. uh, podcast. My biggest podcast now is a four-minute Bitcoin show. And people, uh, in a short, it's only four minutes, so I like that show. But, so you're basically just keeping people updated on the yeah, it's l- like, latest stuff? I try to do one news article every day about Bitcoin in four minutes or less. So how do you curate that? I just read, I read a lot of material on Bitcoin, a lot of blogs. You know, I have a lot of subscriptions to my blog reader. And so you kind of have an idea of who's telling good advice. Or yeah, yeah. And, I, and, it also, it also keeps not me the up fake to, news. Not it keeps the, me up to date on what's really happening in Bitcoin because I read a lot of content about it. Yeah. So I do that show, but people all the time will contact me. Can we advertise on your podcast? I go, man, I just do the podcast to promote the conference of mine. Because, you know, I've never been real big on advertisers for the most part, unless they were paying me like they were in crypto in the early days. Yeah. Are they still offering that or no? <laughs> but they probably are, those kind of companies. Yeah. So you may, you may change your tune. No, no, I've never changed my tune now. Uh, I've, so you're, I've, you're, I've you're double beyond, down. I've gotten beyond the point that I have to work. You know, I just Good work now because I, ha- I like it. Well, I'm happy I mean, for you. Not, you certainly yeah. deserve that. But then again, I'm 66. So, you know, yeah. I've been doing it a long time. Well, I want to talk about this. This isn't related to Bitcoin, but I mean, you, you had an incredible weight loss journey in the last several years. Let's just touch on that for a minute. Well, but I've gained back. Like, well, I quit my diet. Whatever and, you gained back is nothing nothing like where you were. I mean, yeah, yeah. I lost you're like, still a, 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 the incredible shrinking Gary. I lost like 150, 200 pounds, maybe. You lost it in a pretty quick amount of time. Yeah, too. well, I quit eating for the most part. I mean, you know, I, I, went, on a, eating. I went on a liquid diet to begin with, just protein shakes. Uh, what, what made you do that? Because, like, I couldn't fit in an airplane seat. Oh, wow. You know, without an extender. And, uh, you know, sick, any picture I saw of, of me, it. I looked like I was just a big blob of blub, which I may still look like, but I'm not as big a blob of blub. But, uh, Dude, yeah, I did that for You're about nothing a, like you were, man. I you're did still that for super about skinny. A, actually, you know, when I quit drinking diet Pepsis, I used to drink Diet Pepsis like maybe 10 a day. I drank a shitload of Pepsi. Oh, oh. excuse me. You about to cut I that didn't up. realize you were addicted to soda. Oh, I was addicted to soda. And when I quit dr- Diet Soda, 
Yeah. When I quit drinking diet soda by itself without even trying to lose weight, I lost 30 pounds. No kidding. When I switched from just, diet just by soda, saying I'm not going to drink any more yeah, soda. I went and oh, I had headaches, caffeine headaches, but yeah. I, I switched from that to water, and I still only drink water. You know, when I go out to eat, but I lost 30 pounds just giving up diet soda. Well, you have an occasional coffee or something like that. I drink right? coffee a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but the not that I don't think of black coffee is what diet soda is. No, no, no. Yeah, I, mean, I drink chemicals and so. Yeah, I drink black coffee. And I like black. Well, I'll like be coffee. the first to admit, I'm I'm drinking more diet soda than I should. So. Yeah, I'm telling you, you want to get rid of weight. The quickest thing to do is get rid of I mean, that. It's not a ton of weight, but you can notice it is go to water from diet soda. Okay. I no, think even regular rice. soda might even be better with sugar, but they put so much of that in there. Well, you then know. you're not going to want as much. Yeah. Yeah, but I think diet soda, there's something in there that makes you want to crave more diet soda. No, that's good advice. Yeah, but that was the start of it, and then the liquid diet. I lost 30 pounds there. I lost 50 pounds on the liquid diet, actually. Maybe I did that for... So, two, so when you say liquid diet, what were you... Were just you, having protein shakes. Protein and shakes. And, and then I drank uh, soup broth. Just oh. broth. And canned soup broth. Okay. And protein shakes. And Weren't you, like, starving? Like, Well, you do starve for the first month, but you can make it... Our first two weeks. Actually, if you can make it past the first two weeks, I think your body the first two weeks goes, man, I'm hungry. Give me some food. And it's like telling you, you're hungry. I think after two weeks, it kind of goes, not getting any. Give it up. And you know, well, it's burning the, the yeah, fat, right? Yeah. So I did that. And, and actually, like last year, I went on a liquid diet for a month, you know, I mean, and it wasn't that hard to do because I did it before and I understood that it was the. And then you just, the weight was, started melting off. Right? Well, yeah. It comes up when you aren't taking in any calories hardly at all, it disappears. Well, you're doing exercise. Like you're doing morning walks. And I walk. Stuff like that. Well, I was walking to two miles every day when I weighed uh, 350 pounds, too. Yeah. You know, so I mean, walking it and. It's what you put in your mouth. It's not the exercise. Exercise but might help. Walking is good for your heart. It's, it's, yeah, but you walk two miles, you might burn a thousand calories. Hell, if you eat a candy bar, you, there you go. Yeah, you, there's your thousand calories. You Raced your walk. Yeah. yeah. So everything else, and if you're eating candy bars, you probably aren't eating one a day. <laughs> but I would imagine now, like you, you've noticed a tremendous difference in like your energy level and your like enthusiasm and. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely have more energy yeah. than I did before, but. That's the thing about it is just not eating. Now I pretty much, uh, I had some French toast today, which I really never had bread, but I just couldn't resist that French toast. But now I pretty much just eat meat products. Um, we got to give a shout out. What's this I, place called? Cafe Brazil? Cafe something? Brazil. They have good food here. Yeah, Cafe Brazil. If you're ever in, yeah. uh, what is this? What part? Is this just Dallas? Where is this? This is Oak Cliff. Oak Cliff. So if you're ever in Oak Cliff in Dallas, go by Cafe yeah, Brazil. My wife found this because it was hey, kind of in the middle thanks, of where we were at. This is Leland. Yeah, but, this is a great little spot. Uh, Gary and I had some breakfast here and decided, hey, let's record a podcast, and I'm glad we did. We're sitting out here on the patio and drinking some coffee and uh, just Across from Lockhart up. Steakhouse, and Smokehouse, and I heard that had great barbecue. Yeah, it looks it looks like it does <laughs> from the outside. <laughs> Big cow on the side was showing the cuts of meat. <laughs> that's, usually, that's usually a good sign. Yeah, and a pig <laughs> with the cuts of meat. Maybe have some barbecue soon. So, Gary, as we start to close up here, uh, in the Bitcoin world, who's doing something that interests you? Um, Jack Mowers, you know, he's got the Strike app. Go to strike.me slash Gary if you want to get that. But he's been... What is that? It's an app for converting uh, money into Bitcoin. So, uh, actually, on Twitter now, you can tip people on Twitter nice. with uh, Bitcoin. And so, if someone likes your show, they can go to Bitcoin and see the tipping box if you've enacted it. And uh, just send you a dollar. So for my podcast, I could have a striker. Well, you have a strike account, and it's a Twitter tip jar, but you have to have some place for the money to go. 
So it points to whatever wallet. No, know. it's not really a wallet it goes to. No. It's got to be a certain kind of wallet, which Jack Mowers has made that, and he's working with um, okay, so Jack at Twitter. So I, can't, I can't send it to my ledger? No, my, my... no. You can't from the strike, though. Okay. Twitter, you'd have to send it to strike. Go to strike.me slash Gary. Got it. And then you could convert it into Bitcoin. But he's the guy also that helps set up El Salvador, you know, to start accepting Bitcoin as a currency. So that's amazing. He's doing amazing stuff. Jack Maurer, where, where's he? I don't know where he's actually from. He's I have no idea. He doesn't want to be found. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but he seems to be a nice guy. I want to see him on TV. Um, but well, he's, nice. he's doing and a you lot. you know him personally or no? no? I've never met him. Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, and then um, people that want to check out the podcast, where do they do that? Just go to 4MinuteBitcoin.com okay. or go to BitBlockBoom. We're getting ready to start That's the, the BitBlockBoom podcast. Yep. Uh, which yep. if you don't get a ticket now, you probably won't get one. We've got a couple months. Are you going to have to – do you have like a virtual ticket or something? No, no. We, we stream it free. Oh, you stream it free? Yeah, yeah. We found that's better for our oh, case okay. to stream it free, and then people see it and they want to come the next year. Well, wouldn't uh, wouldn't that mean some people would be like, ah, why why pay seven hundred bucks? Be. I can just stream it. Might be, okay. but we sell out, so evidently it's not. Yeah, it's not hurting us. Evidently, so we look at it as the an connections are literally you know such a big big yeah. thing. It's a, you know it's about networking at my conference because yeah. let's face it, only about three percent of the population has any Bitcoin. So if you live in Pierre, South Dakota. You may not know a Bitcoiner that you could ever talk to about Bitcoin, and you're probably fascinated with Bitcoin and want to talk to people about it. Yeah. So people don't come to watch my conferences, really. They come to hang out in the hallway. My hallways are packed the entire conference. You know, they come to hang That's out awesome. at, the, at the and then go to our night parties. So we have dinners and parties. We have more events that aren't at the conference center than we do at the conference center. I love that. Well, I always like to close out with final thoughts, Gary. So final thoughts. Final thoughts is... Enjoyed seeing you. Yeah, likewise. It's a great day in here in Texas, but I'm telling you, I'm not telling you you need to do anything, but you should be looking at investing in Bitcoin. But I'm not a financial advisor, but to me, it's just a, a good thing to do. That's my final thought is take a look at it. Try to figure it out and try to understand it. Well said. Gary, thank you so much. Yeah, enjoyed it. Mm-hmm.